You are listening to episode 11 of the Money Owners Podcast with me, Morgan Richard. Money Owners is a podcast for people who want to be mentally and financially crushing it. This podcast does not provide investment advice, and nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued to be investment advice. If you'd like more information on Money Owners Coaching, the podcast, the homework, and everything I have to offer, visit moneyowners.com. What's happening, Money Owners? We are back for episode 11, and today is all about real estate. Woohoo! I'm actually really excited to talk about real estate today because there's so many like incredible misconceptions about this topic. I hear it all the time from clients, from not clients, from literally anybody who has an opinion about money or on investing or really anything in general to do with money has an opinion about real estate, which I find to be fascinating, especially now you know me for the last 11 episodes where I keep talking about people and their brains and their finances and everything that they do is related to how they think about stuff. So you can imagine how enticing I find this topic when everybody's got an opinion. All right, so why don't I start by unpacking real estate and why everyone has an opinion on it. So I think that this kind of goes back a long, long time ago, I guess in the history of the United States, when the government started to encourage people to become home buyers. And they did so by offering tax, you know, tax deductions, credits, things, programs, other stuff um, to get people out there to buy a home. And the idea behind it was that it would help people settle down, have families and lay some roots. And that is definitely, I think, would I would say is a true thing, right? When people settle down and they have a family and they lay some roots, they tend to be a little bit more responsible. That said, that's, that's a blanket statement. <laughs> that's not always true. And I think if you're one of those people who has laid roots and still feels like you don't have your stuff together, well, then you're probably thinking, you know, real estate isn't really going to help me here. And that is probably true if that's the way that you're thinking about it. And I want to spend a lot of time today just unpacking some of the things that people talk about when they talk about real estate. So the number one thing I hear about real estate is I have to own a home in order to build wealth. Um, That is a thought. That's not a truth. And we will discuss why, but I want to give you a couple of other little tidbits I hear um, that I've heard like my mortgage is, you know, the best thing ever because it helps me be, you know, have an optimal debt rate. And I like using other people's money to help me, you know, to build wealth in the world. So I've heard that quite a bit of how people, they want to use their mortgage to do stuff like that, or that the interest is tax deductible. So if you're paying rent, you're essentially throwing money away because you're not putting it into your real estate savings account and you're not getting the interest tax deduction. And therefore, you know, you shouldn't rent is something I hear quite often. Another thing is you, you can only build equity if you own a home. That's also a thought. Um, what are some others that I hear quite often? I also hear actually the opposite side of like, I hate how, um, how my mortgage feels like crushing debt. And that's actually something that we talked about a little bit in the last episode in the Q and a, when somebody asked whether or not they should pay off their mortgage or save more for retirement. So that again is also a thought, whether or not you feel like your debt is crushing you. I know like, as I'm saying it, I'm like feeling, you know, I'm, I'm starting to get negative thoughts and stuff and feelings. Um, And yeah, so I wanted to spend some time today basically telling you that everything I just said is a thought and none of that is true. So the number one reason to buy a home and to live in a home that you own is because you love it 
you want to be there for a very long period of time. And you want to basically you you want that place to be yours. There's actually no other reason really to be doing that. So I hear quite frequently, oh, well, my my home is an investment. And that may or may not be true. We have actually no way of knowing that when you buy the home. So you might think, oh, well, I can see into the future and I can see that the neighborhood I purchased my home in is the best possible neighborhood and it's going to appreciate in value and therefore my home is an investment. Except that then your home happens to be the only one on the block where a wall falls down and your kitchen is crap and you had to renovate it, you know, 16 times because you kept leaking or whatever, right? Like there's always that possibility, that that house could be yours. Uh, And I don't think that we really think about that, right? We think like, oh, okay, when we buy a home, we get an engineer to take a look at it. And as long as the engineer says that everything's good, or like we know what the problems are in the home, then we can plan for it. And that's true, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's a good investment. So investing implies that you're going to get some sort of rate of return on it. So generally, people who stay in their homes for very long periods of time they do okay on their homes, but a lot of the times they don't take into account all of the improvements and things that they had to put into it over the years um, when they calculate that rate of return. So for instance, like, let's say you're in your 60s now and you got married and you bought your home in 1980 and now you're looking to retire and you've lived in that home for the last 35, 40 years. Like maybe your home went from, you know, $60,000 in 1980 to a million dollars now. Like I've, that's, that's something that's very real and happening in the Northeast where I live. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean though that you made out really well. That just means that that was, you know, that you paid, let's say 60 grand and now you're able to sell it for a million. But did you do all sorts of improvements to your home all along the way? Did you update your kitchen three times? Did you reside your house? Did you put in a pool? Did you have issues in your house along the years? I mean, these are all things that we don't really think about when we think of our home being an investment. Um, We just think of like the purchase price and then the sale price. And we think like, okay, well, that's an investment. Um, I've heard this from clients too, where they're like, okay, I'm going to buy a property for, you know, 500 grand. I'm going to put a couple hundred thousand dollars of work into it. And then we should be able to sell it for, you know, $700,000. Isn't that great? And it's like, well, no, because you started with 500 and you put in, you put in 200. I can't believe I'm even using this as an example, but you see where I'm going with this, right? Like our mind plays tricks on us. We think that because we purchased something for 500 and we're able to sell it for 700, if we had to put 200 in along the way, it's not actually an investment, right? It's just like a hobby. Um, and I think a lot of the times we misconstrue the fact that our home that we live in is an investment versus just a home that we want to live in. And it's okay to spend money on something that brings you joy. So this is something that we've talked a lot a lot about a lot in this podcast of like being very intentional with your money, being purposeful, making sure that you're spending money on the things that you enjoy, you know, making sure that you're cutting corners in places where you're not even noticing it. If your home is a place where you whenever you come home, you feel like it's the most amazing thing in the world, then yeah, it's probably worth spending some money on. But if it's not, if you're barely there, if you're working, you know, 100 hours a week and you sleep in the office, like how much joy is your home really bringing you? Or conversely, if like you don't really take care of your home or other, I mean, I don't know, your kids destroy your home. Like they draw on the walls and they pee all over everything. I mean, I'm not really sure what your kids are doing, but like I think these are things to think about where like we think that we want this home, because this is like the idea of the American dream that we come home and we have this beautiful home that has everything perfect in it, and that we're going to love it and take care of it and be so excited about it. But what ends up really happening is that, yes, maybe that happens for the first month, 
And then you get used to it. And then you stop noticing things around the house. And then you actually start noticing the things that are bad. And you only notice those things. And then your house actually becomes a place where you have stress and you need you feel like you need to fix things instead of it being the thing that you enjoy. So I'm not saying that that's that not to buy a home. I think like we should probably take it a step back. So I'm not saying not to buy a home. What I am saying though is don't consider it an investment. So I want to touch on some of the other topics. So number one is I hear all the time I can't build wealth without buying a home. Um, And that if I'm paying rent, I'm throwing money away. I think these two things go hand in hand. So, and actually also, if I don't build equity in my house, I can't have equity. All of these things basically are their thoughts and they're negative and they're making you feel like if I don't do this thing, if I don't do this thing that everybody else out there is doing and is telling me to do that, I in turn will not have money later on. And that is emphatically false. So The reason why we buy a home is not to build equity and not for it to become an investment. The reason why we buy a home is so that we have a place to live that we love. Building equity, you could do that in a million ways. You could literally buy the stock market and not put a down payment on a home and you will build quote unquote equity outside of your home. So, and you can do it by buying millions, well, not millions, sorry, thousands of companies, <laughs> not millions, thousands of companies. Um, and you'd be very diversified instead of owning all of your um, net worth basically in one piece of property. So that's some one way to do it. If one other thing is like real estate's really your thing, I mean, you could buy a real estate investment trust that owns a bunch of companies that own lots and lots and lots of properties. And you would build equity by owning that. So I think the misconception here is that equity is only something that you can have in your home rather than equity just being an investment that grows. And it doesn't necessarily have to be in your home for you to build wealth. So one of the things that happens when we go out there and we buy a home is we take money out of our savings that we would have otherwise invested in something else and we then go and put it into our home. And that's how we get equity, right? That 20% down payment is the original equity in your home. And then you pay your mortgage. And as you pay your mortgage off, you pay mostly interest first, but over time you pay off principal as well. And the more you pay towards principal, the more quote unquote equity you have in your home. But you could do that outside your home too, right? So let's say you rented a place and then you also put excess savings into the market or something else or some sort of an investment account. Now you're still building equity outside of your home. You're not throwing money away. You're not lighting it on fire just because you're renting. Um, and I think that we tend to think that about rent because we think if we put it towards our mortgage, then it's like in the savings account, but it's, it's really just a thought that we're having because we are also responsible for maintaining that home. So we have like, when we buy a home or when we buy a car, or when we buy any of these things that come with extra maintenance and other, you know, things that we have to take care of on that piece of property that we own, it's like it's costs on costs and we don't consider that. So I think we think about it a lot that a car is not really an investment unless you're like looking at these really old cars that are, you know, sometimes millions of dollars. I don't want to really talk about that today. Anyways, so but we think of a car, right? You drive it off the lot and it immediately depreciates. We don't think about that though in terms of houses, but it's kind of true with your home as well. As soon as you move in there, as soon as your kids start destroying your home, like it's depreciated in value. As soon as you move in, right, like you probably already don't like something about the house that needs to be fixed or like something's leaking or you need to change the carpets or like your kitchen becomes outdated in five years from whenever you bought the home. So these things like we don't think about it, but we actually have to depreciate her home over time. And in order to keep it at a certain value, we have to replenish that value by putting more money into the property. That money 
maybe so maybe like your mortgage in value would have been equivalent to rent maybe your mortgage plus your homeowners plus your property taxes maybe all of that combined would be pretty equivalent to what you could rent and then on top of that you have maintenance type costs so your costs on costs and but which you wouldn't have necessarily when you're renting so that excess savings you could put into an investment style account and then you'd be growing equity quote unquote outside your home so I'm not telling you all of this so that you don't buy a home, but I am telling you this to debunk some of the thoughts that you might be having about owning a home. So, because when I think about owning a home, to me, like, there are two reasons why I would want to own a home. Number one, I want to be there for a really long time with my family. I love that idea. I love the idea of my husband and I and our son and maybe our children in the future maybe one child or maybe two. I don't know. We'll see. Um, <laughs> but I love the idea that like Alex, that I would like, you know, draw a little mark and right next to it, that the age that he was and how tall he was. And I love that like that could be in our house for a long period of time. Like just that thought of having that brings me a lot of joy, which is very like an old fashioned thought to have. Um, but it's something that we did in my grandparents' house. My sister and I, my grandmother always had us uh, line up every year and she would mark off on the wall what, how tall we were. Uh, that to me is like the epitome of the reason why you own a home. It's because you want to build a family in a place where you don't want to be uprooted by a landlord who says, hey, like, I'm done with this property and you need to leave. Um, that's the number one reason. The number two reason is because wherever you're looking to live, essentially, doesn't have the type of rental you want. Um, that That, I think, is the other really good reason to own a home. So... Both of those are fantastic reasons, right? Like, and that's basically, I think the reason why people do own homes is because they do want to live somewhere for a really long period of time. They do want to lay down roots. They do want to have everything that they could have with their family in one place. And that's really a nice thought. Um, and maybe, and conversely, maybe if they are open to renting, they weren't able to find the thing that they wanted in the area that they wanted to be in. Um, I'm trying to think of other like good reasons why you would own a home. Um, you love DIY projects. I'm not a huge fan of that, so that didn't really come to me top of mind. But I think like people who actually like working on their homes is they're really good people to be homeowners <laughs> just because like there is going to be a lot of work. But if you have to like hire somebody every time something goes wrong in your house, like that doesn't mean you shouldn't buy a house. But it does mean that you have to consider that when you think about what the extra costs are going to be associated with your house. So one of the things that I like to talk about with my clients is like, the the standard for the real estate industry and for home buyers is that um, as long as you're spending less than 30% of your income on your mortgage, your homeowners, and your taxes, that it's affordable. And one of the things that happens is that if you are spending that 30%, if you're really on the top end of what you can afford, you're actually, you're overspending. And the reason why is because not only do you have that cost, but you also have the other costs that come with owning a home that you don't really think about, like the extra maintenance, the other work that you have to do year over year, the yard care. Um, I Like maybe you need somebody to come in and clean your house because you bought a home that's too big and you, you know, you're know you working a lot and that's not something that you want to be doing. I mean, these are all things that we need to think about. Like when you buy a three or 4,000 square foot home, like all of a sudden there's a lot of, like there's a lot of care and maintenance that you have to put into it to keep up with it. So again, not saying that you shouldn't buy a home, but you should be aware of all of these things when you're thinking about 
buying a home and how much it's going to cost you. So if you're spending the 30%, you're spending in the top range of your income. Now you're actually, I mean, on an after-tax basis, because they calculate this pre-tax. So on an after-tax basis, you're actually spending like close to half your income on your home and then some when you go do the maintenance and everything else that you have to do. And then you have like, that's what you have left over to basically spend on your family and everything else, groceries, your vacations, anything else that you want to do, you now have only half your income left to do it. And then you still should be saving roughly 20% of your pre-tax income. So it leaves you very little left. If you're spending that much on your home, like you basically have set your fixed costs to be so high. And it's one of the reasons why uh, families in New York actually have it pretty hard. So Yes, I know if you're living all over the country and you're listening to this, you're like, you guys are so stupid for living in New York because the cost of living is so high. And you're right. (laughs) It is really high. But when you think about New York and you think of these really very high income earners who are in New York, you automatically think that they're living the life and that they're spending all this money that they want to be spending. They're they're like really living the high life, I think. And the reality is that the cost of living is so high here, the majority of people are actually pretty stretched in what they're paying for either their rent or their mortgage. And in turn, they're not saving any money. Um, and it's it's actually sometimes really sad that you could be making, you know, like a half million plus dollars a year and you're not saving any money. Um, I think somebody in the middle of the country would think that that was the most insane thing that they've ever heard, that if they were making a half million dollars a year, they wouldn't be saving anything. So all things to be thinking about, because I know there's like this idea that okay, well, if I penny pinch, you know, I'm not going to be like, if I'd stop drinking my $5 Starbucks every single day, okay, great. Like I'll save $145,000 over the 30 years that you've told me about, but like, it's not really going to move the needle on a daily basis for how much I'm saving. And that's fair. Um, and I will reiterate though, that if you're not enjoying every minute of that Starbucks, you probably shouldn't be buying it every single day, (laughs) but I'm not going to go there in this episode. But what I do want to say about that is you're right. The best thing if you actually want to be tackling your expenses and you let's say you need to pay down debt or you want to go start a business or you want to save money for whatever reason for your future, the number one thing to tackle are your large fixed expenses. So um, if you're able to cut down your rent, that's a really easy place to now have extra disposable income that you can spend um, or save or do whatever you want with it. Um if you can't do that, like it makes it really hard. It, it makes it feel like, okay, if I just like don't go out to dinner an extra couple of nights a week and if I like, you know, cut my vacation in half, like am I really going to be saving that much? And the answer is no, you're really not. Actually, it's like the fixed expenses, the really big ones that you have um, are the ones that tie you down. So all things to think about when you're thinking about buying a home and buying real estate. Um, another thing is like the idea that wealth can only be accumulated in your home is is like it's not true <laughs> I know I, I feel like I should have more of an explanation there but it's really just not true so I mean the the crux of it really is is like is how much you're able to save at the end of the day is how wealthy you're able to be so there are ways to save right there are two ways to save you can increase your income and you will save if you don't also have lifestyle inflation, or you can spend less and you will save and you will accumulate wealth over over time. And you can do that inside or outside of a house. But savings is what will drive wealth, not real estate. And the reason I know this is because I know people who spend 20% of their income or less on living expenses who are very wealthy. And some of them own a home and some of them don't. And 
they're all self-made. So it's not like these people are people who I'm like pulling out of thin air who got a bunch of inheritances. So I'm talking about my clients who like they, they just, you know, they made a lot of money and they were really good about man- how they managed it and how much they spent and also managing how much income they brought in. Um, and those people, the number one thing that they have in common is that they spend 20% or less on their housing expenses. So it has nothing to do with whether or not they own their home or they don't own their home. It has everything to do with how much they're spending on a regular basis for their home. All right. And then the last thing I wanted to discuss on this is related to debt. So I actually want to have an entire podcast based on debt, but this specifically I wanted to talk about people's mortgages because I think that this is one of these things where some people feel really excited to take on debt and other people feel really not quite so excited to take on debt. And I think that that's really good news, actually, because it tells us that the way we're thinking about it is the problem or not the problem, depending on how you're thinking about it. But the way we're thinking about it is what is causing the feelings about your your mortgage specifically. So I can think of a client off the top of my head who like she doesn't like having debt at all. It makes her feel really uncomfortable. Um, and all she wants to do ever is pay down her mortgages. Um, they own two properties. So. Um, And then I have another client who, like, they have a really big mortgage and they were really excited to take on a second rental property um, and they decided to do it and they didn't care that, like, their debt ratio went through the roof because, like, that's just the way they are and, and they were cool with it. So I think, like, I think why that that's a really good thing to know that there are so many people thinking about debt in different ways is because if you don't like the way you're thinking about debt, you just have to change the way you're thinking about it. And the same thing for goes for, like, owning a home. So if you have this dream that you need to own a home, but you have like, you have tons of student loan debt and you have, you're living, like you can't possibly save for the down payment that you need. And you're living in, you know, like you don't even feel like you're living beyond your means just because you're in a high cost of living area. Like maybe buying a home isn't for you. And maybe the problem is the thoughts that you're having around buying a home rather than actually buying a home. Just as maybe the problem is the thoughts that you're having around the mortgage or the debt that you have rather than the actual debt itself. And I don't, please don't misconstrue the word debt when I say that to be applied to like consumer debt. So I do think that you should probably be thinking a little bit negatively about that. And we will talk about that in an episode that'll be all about debt. But this is specifically about mortgages. So I just, I just want to reiterate that. Um, but yeah, like it's fantastic news to know that you can change really in an instant you can change how you think about these things. So I know we've talked in the past about how sometimes you need to gradually ease yourself into changing your thoughts. And for those things, I think like when they're really ingrained since you were a kid, like things like worthlessness or, um, yeah, I guess worthlessness. We'll just go with that. Something like that that was ingrained in you as a child. Like that you might need time to change. Something like my mortgage feels like it's crushing me. (laughs) I don't think you need to like ease into that thought of changing it. I think that like you can just say, okay, like this is a thought that I'm having and what's the new thought I want to have? How do I want to feel about the, the mortgage that I've taken on? So for me, if I had like, I don't actually own a home right now. We probably at some point will own a home in the future um, for the reasons I've already listed. But if I did have a mortgage, what I would think about it which I think would make me feel really warm and fuzzy inside is that I have this debt to support my family. I have this mortgage to have a home for my family. I have this mortgage so that I can pencil in on the wall, Alex's height every year until he's like sick of it and doesn't want to talk to me anymore. (laughs) 
<laughs> so I think like these are all like you you can change your thoughts in an instant, right? So for my client who like feels like she has to pay down her debt as quickly as possible, right? Like that's just a thought that she's having and we can work on that. And maybe for her, like she could have a similar thought to what I have to feel warm and fuzzy inside about it and just pay her mortgage down on a regular schedule if like that's what actually financially makes sense for her. So I think like Sometimes we put ourselves in situations where we cause our own anxiety, where we cause our own worry. And um, there's something that I read, I think it was from Eckhart Tolle, where he said, uh, worry pretends to be necessary. And I love that because it's so true. Worry pretends to be necessary. Just like let that sink in. Like we worry about all these things. We worry about our mortgage. We worry about our family. We worry about where we're going to live. We worry about how we're going to pay for it. We worry that we don't, if we don't own a home, we won't build wealth. We worry that like we can't have, you know, everything that we want in our home because it's out of our price range. We worry about all these things. And at the end of the day, like we're, we think that we need to do that, but there's no actual reason why we have to do that. Right? Like we don't need to make ourselves crazy if we just stopped for one second and took a step back and really thought about all the things that we were doing in our lives, we'd be a lot more intentional about it. We could stop worrying so much. We could feel good about the decisions that we've made because we put thought into them and then we executed on them. So I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode of Money Owners. Uh, it's, a, it's a topic that I'm really passionate about. I'm sure we'll talk about more in the future. Um, and it just kind of piggybacks on that stuff that we've been talking about with money scripts, because I feel like people have a lot of scripts about their real estate. And I'm sure that you do, too. I'm sure if you took some time tonight to just evaluate what you're thinking about where you live, you'll come up with all sorts of interesting things. And um, if you feel like it, you can tweet them at me at Morgan Rochard, Morgan with an E or at money underscore owners. And we will have a Q&A episode every five episodes. So if you have any any uh, questions that you're thinking about that you want some help answering, please also send those to me. You can um, shoot them to me at Twitter. Also, you can put them on our website, moneyowners.com forward slash ask Morgan, Morgan with an E. And that's all I have for you. I hope you guys have an excellent next two weeks and I will talk to you soon. Thanks.